Hallelujah. There's two things you need today as you come to the Word of the Lord. Number one, you need a humble heart. You need a humble heart. You can never come into God's presence not with a humble heart. You come into God's presence with a humble heart, He can work with you. If you come with pride, selfishness, He will work with you, but in His way. <laughs> and we don't always like that way. But humbleness is one of those. And the second thing that you need today... It's not on. Sorry? It's not on. Is it not on? Oh, the light's on here. So can you... Can you... What? It's not working on that one. Yeah. Hear you. you can hear me. Thank but they, it's not going through there. Because we're recording, I'm going to go to this mic. Okay? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's it. So, so again, we need a humble heart so that God can work with us. This is what happens at the cross. At the cross, He comes to you. He changes your selfish heart into a humble heart. The second thing we need is a hungry heart. Are you hungry this morning for the Word of God? If you're not hungry, you're not going to get anything. He gives to those who's got a hungry heart good things. And it's good for you today in the Word of God. Uh, we saw last week how that the Gospel came down a dusty road. You remember that? There's a promise coming down a dusty road. There's somebody who sings a song like that. And we saw this when Philip came close to the Enoch and he came to the Enoch and he explained and he gave him the gospel. But now our focus goes back to Saul of Tarsus. Now Saul was a man who didn't have a humble heart. Saul was a man who didn't have a hungry heart. He was so full of himself. He was so well taught and everything. And we're going to see how the Lord Jesus Christ, when he comes into that person's life what happens to Saul, this mighty man from Tarsus. I want to talk to you today about kicking against the goats. Kicking against the goats. Now this was really interesting if you go and investigate what goats are. A goat is a stick which they used back in the day. They had an animal who would pull the plow. It could be an ox, it could be a donkey. But they had a long stick as you walk behind the plow and you grab the hold of the stick. On the one side of the stick, it was made sharp. It had a sharp edge to it. So what would happen is you walk behind the plow and if one of the animals started getting lazy or you can just see that the pace is dropping down, you would take the stick and you will just give him a prod. You will just touch him. What will happen? I don't know about you. If I take a, you know, a pin and I go into your bum and I go pinch you, you will go, oh, what's going on here? That's what it is, in a way. Uh, let's be honest, that's what a goat is. So it gives a prick and the animal will feel the prick and it will react quickly and it will go and pull into a direction. That is what a goat is. Now, the animals didn't like goats. I don't like it when somebody can hear you know, with a, I wouldn't like that, would you? That's why we don't do it every day. Do you get people doing it every day? There's something wrong if they do. But this is what they use that for. So the animals didn't like it. So when this man is behind the plow and he goes and he prick, nothing happens. It's getting used to the pricking. And sometimes the animal get really angry at this pricking going on. And what do they do? They kick out against it. 
get away from me but not realizing as they kick back and 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 the goat comes forward they kick into it and it hurts them even more it hurts them even more and then it becomes blabby you know as they kick deeper into it the prick is only touching the skin but if you kick back into that it can really damage and hurt you this is what goats this is what it means when he says goat kicking against the goats and it's really fascinating that when Jesus appears to Saul, he uses this term which they would have known in their day. We don't know that in the other day, do we? I mean, there's no way that I get into my car, into my Volvo, and I go, where can I print this thing? That <laughs> <laughs> I just put my foot on the pedal and it goes faster. No pricking happening around here. But this is a concept. This is a concept that happens. And we're going to see the spiritual application of that concept. Now, we follow in Acts chapter 9, verse 1. It says, Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, capital letter way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. This is Saul. This is where we find this man now. Uh, when it says that he's still breathing threats, this is the New King James Version. In the King James Version it says he's breathing out. He's breathing out threats. And that made me think, if you breathe out, what do you need to do? You need to breathe in. And when you breathe in, you need to breathe out. And this is now associated with threats. And it happens in our day. It happens to this man certainly. I remember in the day when I get angry, man, these nostrils of mine goes double the size. And you go, you know, you need to get it in. And whatever threats that comes in, whatever thoughts comes in, it comes out. And if you're angry, you know, if you get this burst of anger, you see these people, you know it happens in, happened in your life as well. Come on, it's not only me, it's not happened to me only. You know, somebody says something to you and you're so full of yourself and you're so onto this thing and you go, he can't say that to me. I'll give him a piece of my mind. Let me just tell him how things are going. Isn't that right? I'll, I'll give him a piece of my mind. And what happens? As you're breathing that in, you've got to exhale it. You've got to put it out. And sometimes if that person is not there, who gets it? Who gets the blunt of it? Anybody who's into your five meter radius, whether it's the dog, the cat, your wife, your children, be careful for that. Whatever you're breathing, you're going to breathe to breathe out. You know, I want to breathe in, you know, the love of God because I can influence people around me with the love of God. But we're all human. We're living in a world where these things happen. But Saul has got something now. He's got something that's really eking him on. There's a, there's a goat that's freaking him now. He's, he's got a personal vendetta. There is, there is a root of bitterness now establishing itself in his heart. And it's overflowing now. And, and like the, I love the King James when he says, breathing out. Watch out. Watch out whatever comes out. Be out of my way. We shouldn't operate like that. No, no. This is how the world operates. But children of God should not operate like that. What should we do? And, and like I say, are we still living in this, this, this body? 
Have you noticed? I'm still living in this body. But the Bible says I'm a new creation. Who knows that passage? I'm a new creation. All things have, have passed away. Look, He's made me new, but I'm still... Have you noticed I'm still living in this old body? The old thoughts are still coming back. Sometimes the doubts comes back. And, and so many times, even, even in this body, whether you're a child of God or not, you get frustrated. Yes? Come on, be honest with me. You get frustrated. And what do you do when you get frustrated? Are you kicking out? Are you breathing out? You need to work on that, child of God. And listen to me. You will not be able in your own strength to overcome that. That is why we've got the Holy Spirit who helps us, who strengthens us. You know, I've heard, I've heard somebody say, if you listen to a man who prayed this prayer, and let this prayer become your prayer, where this man said, he was listening to this man praying next to him, and this man said, Lord, I keep on doing this thing. If you're not going to help me, I won't stop. That's an honest man. If you're not going to help me, Lord, I'm not going to stop. If you're not going to help me when I, when I lose my temper, when I've got this fits of rage, when I've got whatever, you can fill the gap in, when I've got this urge to gossip, when I've got this urge to do whatever I'm doing and I know that the Holy Spirit is convicted, it's pricking me, it's goading me. Lord, if you're not going to help me, I won't be able. I'm going to continue doing this on. So we need to cry out to the Lord. He says he was still breathing threats and murder. And, and notice this now. I mean, let's not romanticize the scriptures. He was breathing these threats. He went to the high priest. He's asking for letters. And what does he want in these letters? He wants permission. He wants to soothe his conscience. The high priest told me to do this. That's always how it works, isn't it? We always try to find somebody to blame for things we do. We always try to find that. We get frustrated, we blow it. You know, the balloon pops, and what do we do? We try to find somebody else who gives us the authority to blame them. But it all comes back to you. But look at this now. He says he went to Damascus to bring men and women, men and women with him in bounds to Jerusalem. And I'm often sitting here and I'm thinking, I can see this picture in my mind. Now there's a family of four, two children, two parents, they are worshipping God, the Father came to the Lord, He's now off the way. Off the way. What way is that? The broad way or the narrow way? The narrow way. Are you on the narrow way? This is not a highway, by the way. It's just a, it's just a, a small way. It's the Lord's way. That's why it's with a capital letter, it's those who follow Christ. And, and now I see this family and, and, and they come in and here comes, here comes Saul in and he's breathing, his nostrils are so big. <sighs> Grab the brother, the dad there and the children is crying and screaming and don't take my daddy, don't take my mommy. But he takes them in chains like, like criminals. Back to Jerusalem. What do you think they did in Jerusalem? Put them in a Hilton in a five-star hotel? No, they took them to the jails there. Murder. He was breathing murder against them. Listen, it happens in our day today where good is seen as evil and evil is good. Don't be surprised because this is happening and it's going to happen more in our day. So here he saw and he comes to this. And we need to follow this man now because he's breathing 
this out? Where did this come from? This man that so much expected from this rabbi. We follow him back. At one stage, he was a bystander. And let it be known, the church is not a place for bystanders. You know what is a bystander? He stands on the sidelines and he sees these athletes running up and down and he goes, I can do better. I can do better than him. Why aren't you doing it then? Why aren't you doing it? This is a bystander. He says in, in Acts 7 verse 58, they cast him out of the city. This was Stephen and the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Here is our guy. Here is Saul. Still breathing threats. I wonder where that started. Let it be known that if you're a bystander, then you don't take a side that somebody else will decide for you where you go. Somebody else will decide for you. He was standing there. He said, I look at your clothes. A bystander sitting on the fence. Couldn't decide whether he's for Christ or against Christ. But we can see where it's going. He becomes consenting. It says in Acts chapter 8 verse 1, now Saul was consenting to his death. So the bystander now puts on his seal of approval. And then in verse 3 says, as for Saul, Acts 8 3, as he may havoc in the church. Can you see the progression? Bystander consenting and now he makes havoc in the church. But look, that wasn't enough for him. Now he wants to go even further. He gets the letters to go into the synagogues of Damascus and to draw out men and women to follow. I want to suggest to you that he was hanging out with the wrong crowd. Yes? Who knows that people influence you? Even if you're a child of God, people influence you. They do. We all want to belong, don't we? We all want to belong somewhere. This is why we got married. I want to belong to somebody. This is why we've got children, families. This is why we've got friends. This is why we come. We all want to. We never like rejection, do we? But you've got to be careful who you hang out with because they will influence you. You know, Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 15:33. He says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits awake to righteousness and do not sin for some do not have the knowledge of god i speak this to your shame and who was he talking to who was paul talking to was he talking to the church or was he talking to the world he was talking to the church he didn't wait onto a world stage and said this to him they would have laughed at him even now today if you do that they will laugh at you he came into the church, and to the church he says, do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Awake to righteousness. Look at this. Evil company is against righteousness. Evil company will make you to slumber to righteousness. Slumber means you sleep. Slumber means you can't see it. Slumber means you're against it. This is what evil company do. It pulls you away from God. He says, watch out. And look at it. He says, do not be deceived. So evil company won't come in day one and say, man, I'm going to take you away from God. No. They come in and they deceive. 
deceive you to come away from God with their manners, with their talking, and you start trusting in them, and soon enough you pull them away. How many times in my life have we preached the gospel and there's people from other religions, Roman Catholic Church, you know, I've once had a Jehovah Witness, I've once had other people who's in cults, and you preach to them and the gospel cuts through it, what do they say? I say you need to come out from that group, you can't stay there. You know what they say? No, no, I'm going to go back, I'm going to teach them now, I'm going to influence them. And what's the chances of that happening? Evil company corrupts good habits. I love it because this word habits here is an interesting word. It is the Greek word ethos, which means a good moral character. A good moral character. And there's three parts of this. You get the logos which is the word, which is Jesus. You get pathos, which is passion, and you get a character. If you are in Christ, He flames your passion. And what is your passion? It builds good character. The word of God builds good character. It builds good ethos. You and I need to have all three of those inside of us. We've got the word of God, the logos of God in us. We've got the pathos the pathos, you know what the pathos is showing? It's, sh it's showing the fire of God is burning inside of you. I've got a fire, Lord, I've got a fire, and the world can't put it out. Can you see the fire? Don't look at my actions, but listen. Can you see the fire? But you have to be a spiritual man to understand what I'm saying now. <laughs> Hallelujah. On Friday night, I explained to the group what is the difference between a spiritual man and a natural man. The natural man will look at me now and go, what is he talking about? Fire. But the spiritual man will go, I understand what you're saying, preacher. So this leads into the key drivers of behavior. Opportunity, capability, and motivation. This is driving everyone in this room. Everyone. This, this is the three key drivers of behavior. You see, if you've got the capability to do something, and you've got the motivation, all you need now is the opportunity. This is how sin works, by the way. If you open up in your Bible in the book of James, he says that this is how sin comes. It is first thing. You see it and you look after it. You've got the motivation. I want to have what you've got. I can't afford it, but I want to have it. My motivation is I want to have it. The capabilities is I can actually go over to your house and smash your window. I still can do it and get the stuff out of that house. And all I need now is the opportunity. The opportunity leads itself when you leave your house. You see, those are the driving factors. It drives sin, but it can also drive you in your faith with God. Yes? Yes, He gave us the capability to... to we are not animals. I'm not a cow. Have you seen me coming in here and moo the whole time? It will be boring, isn't it? Moo, moo, moo. And you moo back. Moo, moo. Come on, moo back. Moo, moo. That's not why. We're not animals. I'm, I, I didn't evolve from a monkey. No, no, he gave us the capability. Go and read it. We've got a soul. We've got a, we've got a spirit. We've got a brain. We've got feelings. We've got emotions. We can cry out to God. And now, you know, the motivation is to cry. I want to cry out of God. And now it's just the opportunity to come together and to worship him. 
You see, as he journeyed, he came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. This is now Saul. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goats. There's our theme. Saul, Saul. He's on his way to Damascus. He's got the letters now in his pocket. He's, he's breathing. Remember, he's breathing now. He wants to get. He's out there. If you're on the way, the capitulate way, I'm after you. I'm coming for you. And as he go down here, the Bible says, and suddenly a light shone around him. So bright is this light that he fell to the ground and he heard the voice speaking to him. You see, he didn't see Jesus clearly now. He could only see the light. I want you to notice over the next few minutes what I'm going to say. Because this is happening in our day. This is why people from the world can't understand what you and I are saying. You see, later on, when he's in front of the King Agrippa, he says the following about this experience. He says in Acts chapter 26 verse 12, he says, While thus occupied... As I journey to Damascus, this is Paul speaking, with authority and commission from the chief priests. You see, all he needed now was authority and he's got it. At midday, at midday when the sun is in the sky, O king, along the road I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and those who journeyed with me. And when we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice speaking to me and saying in Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It is hard for you to kick against the goats. I want to say that that was a big impact in his life. That was a God moment when he met Jesus. But I want you to focus on the light now. You see, he says it was midday. Have you gone out? And we can all do it after church. It's a beautiful sunny day. We can all go out. Have you went out and you started looking into the sun like this? Can you? Can you? No, you can't. Why? It will hurt your eyes. And what happens? It makes you blind. Maybe just momentarily, but if you start looking into the sun and you look down, you're blind. For a few moments, you're blind. You, you can see nothing. It's just, ooh, what's going on here? And he says that this light that came out was brighter than the sun. How wonderful and how marvelous. How wonderful and how marvelous. But for him at that point in time, it wasn't wonderful and marvelous. It was shocking. What happened? He fell to the ground. He couldn't stand in that light. And what is this light? What is he talking about? You see, this is, this is what it is, brighter. It is different for me than what Stephen said and John's experience, you remember? When Stephen was there and they picked up the stones and they started throwing at him, what did he say? I saw a light. No, he didn't say that. He was on his knees and he, well, he was standing there and he looked up and he says, I see Jesus 
standing at the right hand of God. Why didn't Saul at this point in time say to King Agrippa, he said, well, midday when I look and there was a light and I looked into the light, I could see Jesus. Why didn't he say that? Because brothers and sisters, he wasn't saved yet. You see, this is something which you need to understand. If you are not saved, for those people who listen to me online and who will listen to me in future online, you need to understand this. If you are not saved, you will see this light the way that Saul saw this light right now. And you know what's going to happen? It's going to knock you to the ground. The Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Have you done that already? If you have done it already, you will see Jesus. I'm going to show it to you. Yes, you will see the light. Because with Jesus comes the light. It says there in the Gospels that he was the light that came into the world. And what was that light? It was eternal life. He is the light. But brothers and sisters, rather now go on your knees and cry out and say you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And then when he appears to you, it's not going to be that light that Saul saw in that way. Let's look at the revelation and I'll show you what he should have seen and what he saw. Revelation 1 verse 12, he says, Then I turned, this is now John on the Isle of Patmos, he heard a, a loud voice, and then he turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And, uh, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man. What did Stephen say? He looked up and he said, I see one like the Son of Man. Same thing. He says, I saw one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded to the chest with golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of? Who do you think who looked upon Saul on that road of Damascus? Who do you think looked upon him? Well, the Bible says it was Jesus. With what do you think he looked upon him? With his eyes. And what does the Bible say is the ISIS? Like flames of fire. Now, you know, we can't see. We haven't experienced that fire like he did. But that is a penetrating fire. That is a penetrating light. You can't hide from that. You see, I find the Bible fabulous. In verse 15, his feet were like fine brass, and as he refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand the stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance, listen now, was like the, the sun, shining in its strength. Now compare these two. You take Saul. Saul is breathing fire. Saul is wanting to destroy the church. Saul is not saved. He only got one explanation to King Agrippa, and what is it? There was a light brighter than the sun. Here we find John, who at this point in time is saved. He's born again. And what did he see? He sees much more. He don't only see the light bright as the sun shining in its strength. There is so much we can take from that. And what is John's reaction? Who knows what's his reaction? 
In verse 17, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he said, he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful also to see him doing it with his right hand? The, the hand of authority, the hand of power, the right hand of God. When Stephen was, was stoned, where was Jesus sitting? At the right hand of God, the right hand of authority, the right hand of the power of God. And, and he lays that right hand on John. And you know what, brothers and sisters? You and I cannot see God in these bodies and still live. We cannot. The Bible says it so clearly. And here is an explanation of that. This, this was God Jesus. He was the Son appearing to John. John sees him and he goes, boom, like a dead man. And here we see the same thing on the road of Damascus. This light shining and what happens to, to this full of himself soul, boom, to the ground. And by the way, there's nowhere in the Bible that says that he was knocked off his horse, by the way, okay? It's a presumption. It's a presumption that he was on a horse riding and he fell off the horse. I just want to put it out there clear. But we see what happens. Now look at verse 3. Again, as he journeyed, he came near and suddenly there's this light shining around him. Then he fell to the ground and heard this voice. He says, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Have you seen that? He's persecuting who? He's persecuting Jesus, but who was he actually persecuting? The church. And who's the church? The mothers and the fathers. The mothers and the fathers. Jesus didn't turn around here and say, Paul, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting the church? No, no, he said, you are persecuting me. And brothers and sisters, I love this passage because I am in Christ. You are in Christ. If somebody touches you, if somebody touches me, they are touching him. And what is going to happen? He's going to protect his own. He's coming for his own. So we need to be very careful. We need to be very careful how we deal with God's children. Yes? You know, other brothers and sisters in the church who are blood-washed, be careful. Don't hunt after them. I'm not talking about the worldly people. I'm talking to the church like Saul do so many times. Paul, I should call him Paul now, so many times. He says, no, no, we should not touch them. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus. No clearer can he say that. But this year, although it's in a capital letter, you see, at this point in time, Saul did not know Jesus. He knew about him. He heard about him, and he most probably saw him from a distance. He was a rabbi, remember, and Jesus was the troublemaker, and he would have known about the cross. But he's never in his life seen this Jesus like he's seeing him now. And now he calls out to him, he says, Who are you, Lord? He, he says that in a respect. Senor, who are you, Senor? He realizes there is a power bigger than him. There is always somebody bigger than us, brothers and sisters. But there's nobody bigger and stronger and higher than the Lord. He says, who are you? 
And he says, I'm Jesus whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goats. So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what would you want me to do? That's the first thing that we do, isn't it? When you come to the cross. The Lord saves your soul and you feel this burden to do something. My brother, you went out yesterday. Why did you go out? Why did you go out yesterday? I mean, it was a beautiful day yesterday, wasn't it? It was a beautiful sunny day. You could have done a lot of things. You could have gone fishing. You could have gone to the beach. You could have gone sit at the restaurant on the deck outside. You could walk on the beach with an ice cream. But you chose to go and share the gospel on a train station. Why? This is, this is now Paul. Look at him. He says, Lord, what? Do you want me to do? All of a sudden he realized something happening. And then the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the city, and you will be told what you must do. I love this passage because here is a man who always dictated other people. He says, You go and do that. You go and do that. Uh, High priest, give me these letters. I'm going to do that. And now the Lord says to him, Go and wait. Go and wait. And I will let you know what you're going to do. That is something to make you humble, isn't it? Somebody wants action right there, and it's not there right then. And the men who journeyed with him, and I just want to talk about this for a moment or two, because it's really interesting. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So all of this stuff is happening. Now, Paul himself said, when he spoke to Agrippa, he said, all of us, we're falling. We were all struck down to the ground. Here in Acts, Luke writes only him. He, he was only concentrating on him. But this conversation went on between him and this light, this shining light. You must imagine being one of these other men, seeing Saul, their leader, their fearless leader, now on the ground, hopeless, hopeless. Look at the man. You know, the strong Saul firing. He's, he's breathing you know, anger and everything. There he's just pitiful lying on the ground and he's speaking to a voice and they can't see anything. They can't see anything. Can you imagine that? This is what happened. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. He was blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. No more horse riding for you, Saul. And he was three days without sight, and neither he ate nor drank. But it reminded me of another place. And it reminds me something that's going to happen in our days. Because we're talking about the voice of God. You remember in John chapter 12? If you don't, and if you haven't seen this before, you will see it now. Jesus stands amongst the people. And he turns to God and he says, Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say, Father? Jesus stands there. Save me from this hour? Question mark. He's not saying, save me, Lord. He asks a question to the Father in front of the people. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. What happened? Then a voice came from heaven. Can you imagine? What will you do if I talk here and all of a sudden there's a mighty voice overwriting this mic? From heaven. 
What is going on? Jesus, he, he prays out loud, an open prayer to God. He says, Father, my soul is troubled. I'm troubled. And, but what shall I say? Father, save me? No, that's not what he's saying. But for this purpose I came. Father, glorify your name. Then the voice came from heaven saying, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. That's all it said from heaven. A voice. Now I find it fascinating to see the reaction of the people. Therefore, the people who stood by and heard it said that it had thundered. It had thundered. Jesus heard the voice clear. So clear that you've got it in your Bible today. Otherwise, the Bible would have said it just thundered, and we would have never known what the thunder was. But in the thunder, there was a voice. Some said it thundered. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Oh, we've got them today in the churches, the angel followers. Have you met your angel already? Have you? Do you name that your angel has got a name? I'm not into angels. Go and read the, 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 the letter to Colossians. In Colossians, Paul addresses that whole issue about angel worship. We do not worship angels. I don't have to get a voice from an angel. And if I do get a voice from an angel, my father would have sent that angel with that voice. And if that happens, there must be something wrong with this through the Holy Spirit, which I speak with him every single day. No, no, if, if God's going to send me an angel or a prophet, listen to me now. I'm not talking about prophecy. I believe in prophecy. It's happening. But if he sends a personal prophecy to me, I must, I must say, Lord, I must fall on my knees. I must sob before the Lord. I must cry out my heart before the Lord. I must repent and say, Lord, why are you not talking to me directly? You see, these people, there are people in the churches today who are looking for thunders. Oh, bring the thunder. I don't need the thunder. I want to hear the voice of God. There are people in churches who are looking for angels. Oh, bring the angels. Feather dust. No, no. I'm looking for a voice from God. But this is what the people will hear. There's three groups of people in this. Those who heard the thunder, those who thought it's angels, and then the silent group who understood, and they were silent, because when God speaks, I'm silent. I listen. On the Mount of Transfiguration, what happened? Jesus is there. He took with him who? John, Peter, James. And when Peter, oh, this mighty man, man, when he saw Jesus there, and he saw who appears, what does he do? He opens up his mouth, and he starts talking. Peter, be silent. Be silent. There's times that you and I need to be silent before God and let his voice speak. These men were hearing thunder. And that's what's happening. You know, some people will, you know, I, I can be loud, can't I be, John? I've got, a, I've got a loud voice. Some people, will, you know, some people don't like it. They come to church and some people said it to me, no, no, you're too loud, man. I've had a lady in New Zealand say to me, who are you talking to? She was sitting in the sermon and said, oh, you? I said, no, I'm preaching to people. But you're so loud. Well, I can't help it if the Lord is giving me a strong voice. But you shouldn't hear my voice if I'm upsetting you. How upset are you going to be when you hear His voice? Hallelujah. And if it sounds like thunder to you, 
Let's open up in John chapter 12 and see what some people hear. They hear the thunder. The thunder. This voice did not come because of me, but it came for your sake. So listen to this now quickly before we go back. Because here we find these men. They were flabbergasted. They were amazed. They didn't know what to understand. There is the fearless leader lying on the ground now. He's speaking. And they go, they couldn't see Jesus. They could only hear this. This For some of them, it might have been a thunder going on. They are out of it. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be out of it. I want you to hear the voice of God. He says, this voice did not come because of me. But he wasn't talking to these people because they couldn't understand it as a voice. He wasn't talking to these people because they thought it was an angel. He was talking to his disciples who could hear the voice. To the voice, he says to them, this voice, not thunder, not angels, did not come because of me, but for whose sake? For your sake. Are you missing hearing the voice of God this morning? Maybe it's time that light shines on you. Now we follow in Ananias and we finish this morning with this passage. In verse 10 he says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision. Now God speaks to him in a vision. He says, Ananias. And I love his response. He said, Here am I, Lord. Are you like that? If the Lord's going to call you at midnight and it is a vision, it is his voice, are you going to stand up and say, here am I, Lord? He says, so the Lord said to him, arise and go to the street called Straight. (laughs) It's amazing how these names are called here. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. What did he do before? He wasn't praying. He's not a praying man. But all of a sudden, Saul became a praying man. What did I say at the beginning of the service? I said we need to pray more, yes? All of a sudden, he met Jesus, and what does he want to do? He wants to talk to God. He, he, he heard the voice of God, and he goes, I can talk to God, and he can hear me. And now he's calling out to God. How many days do you think he prayed? Previously said he didn't eat anything for how many days? Three days. Can you imagine? Have you done it before? I certainly done it in my time, brothers and sisters, to take time out and pray for three days on end. You know, there were times when I stood up and, and when I went to bed and keep on praying to God, keep on calling on God. This is Him now. This is Him. He's blind. He can't see anything. The Bible says, but, but He's holding on to that one thing. Jesus said, He said, what shall I do, Lord? And He says, Go. Go to the city and I will let you know what you're going to do. He's crying out. I, I reckon he would have prayed for another five days, for another ten days, for another. This is what happens when you meet the Lord. He, he puts a fire in your heart. He puts passion in your heart. Listen to me. Listen. He puts passion in your heart. People will look at you and say, it's not the same person he used to be. No, no. There's a change that comes upon him. This man now, all of a sudden, if you pray, listen to me. If you pray and you go down on your knees and you're you're down before the King of Kings, that will give you a humble heart. Prayer is a sign of humbleness, humility. Remember what I said at the beginning? Have you got a humble heart here this morning? Have you got a hungry heart? All of a sudden, Saul has got a hungry heart. Lord, more of you. Lord, tell me what to do. Are you getting excited about him? 
Are you still getting excited about him? Oh, you don't understand, preacher. You know, 15 years ago, oh, that's when the light shined on me. And what a glorious day that was, man. I, you know, people come to him and they say, today is my 19th spiritual birthday. And I say, wow, congratulations, man. 19 years ago, what happened? What happened to you when we celebrate birthdays? Hey, 55 years ago, I gave away my age. I'm still young. Don't say anything else. It was a glorious day in this man's life. Why? My mother birthed me, and she gave me life. But I'm not still there. Otherwise, I would have been a baby. No, no, no. There's something that happened. No, no, he gave me a hungry heart. He gives him a hungry heart. And this man is crying out now, and he wants something. And the Lord says, he says to Ananias, he says, Ananias, go down to this place, on the, the, the way called Straightway. You will find a man by the name of Saul of Tarsus there. Now, I can just put myself in Ananias' feet, because that is exactly how I would have done it as well. And, and he says, in a vision, He's seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive sight. See this, how God works this. He comes in a vision to Ananias. He says, Ananias, I want you to stand up and go to straight, straightway, the road straight. There's a man there. His name is Saul of Tarsus. Don't you think Saul's reputation has gone out before him? Anyway, put that aside. I'm telling you now to go and lay your hands on him. Because on this side, he is praying, and I've given him a vision that the man is going to come and lay his hands on you, and then you will see. How wonderful is God? He's always got a purpose and a plan. Now, this is where it comes in. And Ananias goes, what? Are you serious? (laughs) Saul of Tarsus? I can't believe it. First of all, they didn't have newspapers like today. They were not, you know, Instagram and all of these things. I mean, you think about the most vicious man today that you can think. Let's just take Putin, for instance. This is because his name comes up in my mind. You know, if he gets radically saved overnight and calls upon the name of the Lord, I'll tell you what, all the Christian channels will have it. Putin has come to repentance. And you know what people will do? What? I can't believe it. Impossible. That didn't reach Ananias. There's no cell phones. There's no Apple 14s or iPads or phones there. It didn't reach him. News took days. You you wrote letters, and it took days and months and weeks. This man is there. Out of the blue, he gets a vision. And in the vision, Saul of Tarsus. No way. I just can't. Lord, is that really you? Have you asked that question a few times? No, no. He sees, I like this. He says, Lord, I've heard from many about this man. I've heard from many how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. That news reads Ananias. That's the news that reached him. Certainly not what happened on Damascus. He says, no, no, I know this guy. Are you sure? Lord, let me just, forgive me, brothers and sisters, this is just me. Are you sure it's Saul of Tarsus? I mean, there's no spelling mistakes here. This is the guy we're talking about. That's how 
threatening he was. And the news went right through everybody. Watch out, Saul's on his way. So what are you doing? You either brave, stand up, and you proclaim, and he takes you away, or you hide. There's nothing wrong in hiding. David did that for a while. If the Lord sends you to hide, then you hide. You just need to listen to him. But this man, he goes, Lord, this is the guy. He, you know, everybody just do this. But the Lord said to him, I love it, but for the Lord. The Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, before kings, and before the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias, faithful in the Lord, went his way, and he entered the house. I can just imagine walking up to the house going, what am I going to see inside? And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, have you noticed what's changed? Yeah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Just previously, just a few verses before, Lord, I've heard of him. I've heard of this guy. How much harm he's doing. He, he ain't my brother. He ain't even close to me. He, he wants to hurt me. You know, what's going on? And then it's so wonderful. So wonderful. He didn't come in there and say, Saul, let's first sit down and talk about where you came from, man. You were really, you know how many people, you know, you are, you've heard how many little babies is without moms and dads. And, no, 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 brothers and sisters. Forgiveness of God is clean. It washes away. It's not there for you and for me to, to carry it along. He says to him there, he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Immediately, everybody say immediately. There fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And somebody shout hallelujah. Because I'll tell you what, brothers and sisters, I said, Acts is a transitional book. Yes, we need this man, we need this man to happen this way so that we have our Bible because he wrote the best part of the New Testament. The Lord saved him for a purpose. He says immediately something fell from his eyes like scales. I said it on Friday night, but I'll say it here again. Now for those who have got glasses, yes? For those who've got glasses, you know, I go in, and I sit there, and I've got a funny machine there. You know, if you put it on without it, I started to look at things, and I go, what? That looks a little bit, nah, yeah, it doesn't look good to me. And somebody said, you need to start getting glasses. You're getting old. Well, okay, thank you for the second part, but I'll go for the first part rather. So I go into this place, and as you sit there, you put your chin. Who's been there with glasses, yeah? You put your chin on there, and they say, look into the first. They blow stuff into your eyes. A winch. I go, what? Yeah, come on, man. And then you look into that, and they go, read for me from the top line. And I can't even see a top line, but they want me to read from it. But I go, A, and they go, no, that's an L. Okay, sorry. Next one, B, no, no, that's something else. But this is an interesting machine. It's got all of these lenses around it. And then it's stuff falling. And they go, what can you see now? I say, yeah, it's a little bit, but I still. And then all of a sudden, boom. You say what? I can see. What is in the top line? A, E, D. Now go to line five, the smallest. N, L, Q. 
You see, sometimes you need to memorize that, but I didn't. <laughs> but here's the point, brothers and sisters. That's what the Lord does with you. One day you wake up and you don't know Him. You're a natural man. And you can't see it. Somebody walks in with the Bible in the church and they're so excited. You can see there's a spring in their step as they come in. They're just looking out for somebody to share it with. Have you seen people like that? They just want to share something. They walk in. Who's looking at me? Who wants to share? I can tell you a few people in this church that I've seen like that. And if they get you, they go, Whoa, look at this, look at this. I was doing Bible study and I read through this and they go through that. You know what happened at the right time, Mark? Boom! They could see it. The Holy Spirit opens it up to them. You may still standing there and say, no, no, I need a different lens. Help me, Lord. But they see it. And it's so wonderful. Brothers and sisters, let me share this with you. I preached the word for so many years now. And, and, and in my Bible, I've got questions that I've written in the sidelines which I do the Bible study, I read over them, I don't have the answer. And sometimes I go and I listen to very good, solid commentaries from God men, Bible-based God men, and I read it, but it doesn't satisfy me. And it so happened that sometimes when I preach the Word, and I go over a passage, that while I preach that same passage, although I've still got that question, I'm still looking at it through a little bit of dimness. And sometimes it happens that even still while I'm preaching, the Lord just gives it. How wonderful is that? Have you still got a humble and hungry heart? He says, go and tell this man. And when he laid his hand on him, the Holy Spirit filled him. The paracletos filled him. He got dunamis power that day. And I thank the Lord for that power. And immediately when it fell from his eyes, he received sight. And once he arose, what happened first? He was baptized. You see, he didn't come out now and say, hey, you know, you're a crocodile pulling me to the water. No, no, he goes, I need to be baptized. He understood immediately. Amen. Did we learn something today? Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, Lord which is sharper than a two-edged sword, cuts between bone and marrow, spirit and soul, and it is the discerner of the heart. I also know that your word will also not go out and return back void, but it will accomplish every single thing that it's purposed for. We thank you for the word of today. Father, help us not to kick against the goats. I certainly don't want to kick against the goats. If the Holy Spirit says in my ear, go left, I want to go left. If it goes right, I want to go right, Father. But foremost, Lord, help us to keep the fire on our hearts burning so that we can clearly hear the voice of God and it doesn't sound like thunder or like an angel. No, no, we hear our master's voice, and we want you, Lord, to speak to us. Speak to us today. Speak to us tonight, Father. Speak to us whenever you want to speak to us, in whichever way you want to speak to us, Lord. But help us, Lord, to hear that voice loud and clear in Jesus' name. Amen.